0: Segabits presents Sega Talk, a podcast talking all things with your hosts George and Barry.
1: Hello and welcome to another, this time special. Episode of Sega Talk. This is episode number 32. This time we're talking about a fantastic video game called Penn is a Star Online. And uh, it was released on the Dreamcast on December 21st, 2000 in Japan. And then it came out a few weeks later in, Japan, in uh, America in like January 29th, 2001. And then Europe got it last in February 15th, 20, uh, 2001. The game was developed by Sonic Team, which is something pretty unexpected at the time for the, for them, at least, because, I mean, they are considered Sonic Team. And uh, so, like, every episode we started off, um, what are your memories of Fantasy Star Online,
0: and what do you think of Sonic Team being behind a
1: project like this? Oh, boy.
0: Um, well, at the time, when I learned about this, I had not played the Saturn yet. So a lot of stuff, like, Burning Rangers, Knights. I mean, I knew of them, but this was probably my first time playing a Sonic Team game that was not featuring Sonic. And I mean, hearing about it, I it wasn't so much that I didn't think they could pull it off. It just seemed incredibly weird to me to see Sonic Team working on this. I was like, are like, is it gonna have physics? Is it gonna like what is this? Like I I knew what Fantasy Star was. I just I didn't I couldn't really wrap my head around what this game was um as it was coming out I was reading up on the connections it had with these Genesis games that I've heard of uh I was seeing comparisons to some other like PC MMOs I was hearing some people who were like oh yeah it's just it's just like Diablo or it's just like you know EverQuest it's not that exciting it's just on the p-. Do you remember that the the snobs the PC snobs
1: they always happen right every generation it's like sure they're ahead of the curb right but like they can't really see that there has to be like to put all that in a small little box like that and put it under your tv that's that's magical in itself outside of pcs
0: yeah i i just i remember hearing about the like the concept and what the game was all about and i was like this is this sounds amazing and then of course people would try to You, like, burst the bubble by being like, oh, we've had this for years on PC. I'm like, yeah, but not on your TV. Um, And, of course, I I mean, I could go on and on in terms of my memories of playing the game. But uh, I'm sure we'll get into that maybe. Go ahead. No, no. no. No? Go
1: ahead. Fill the whole podcast up with your memories. (gasps) That way I don't have to do any work. Isn't
0: that better? (laughs) Well, we we did do one a while back. We talked to some uh, gaming journalists um, Mm -hmm. from the time. And, actually, there was... They're still active as of today, but we talked about Fantasy uh, Star Online with them. Shared a lot of memories. That was a great time. Um, I'll have to look up the details uh, on that so I can tell a people. It was the
1: report show. I think it might have been number fifty. I don't want to be like, but I know it was a Dreamcast oh. special. So
0: yeah, uh, we did too. We did a Dreamcast special, and then we brought some people back. So number seventy-one was actually, uh, and it was with um, Susan Arnt and James Milky. So. Actually, I think neither one of them are were returning. Was Francesca Reyes on with us? I don't recall.
1: We did one with her on it. I remember, but I, we they had a, they were the people that were covering mm. Fantasy Star Online when they came out right. on the Dreamcast, and for this official Sega Dreamcast magazine. So. It's an interesting podcast. If you want to hear more, absolutely it's online.
0: Yeah, so but that's like, uh, that's number fifty and number seventy-one. You can check out. Um, why don't you share some of your memories, and then I'll I'll share some of mine.
1: So I was surprised that they were going to do an online game. Like um, I've had friends, like you said, those PC snobs, right? They mm-hmm. already knew about online games, but to me, it was kind of unique that a team of Sega was trying to do this thing that PC games were doing. Um, I didn't know Diablo and that's how kind of I sold the game to a lot of people that I grew up with. I was like, imagine Diablo, but with 3D graphics and like in an anime setting. Mm-hmm. And they understood the whole concept of the game. Um, to me, uh, the first time I played this game was probably, I think, where everybody else played it, especially Sonic fans, was the Sonic Adventure. Was it Sonic Adventure? No, wait. It came with the Sonic Adventure 2 demo, right? So you had to buy the game. To play the Sonic Two demo, or Sonic Adventure Two demo, is that what it was?
0: Yes, yes, Sonic Adventure so, Two demo, the trial.
1: Yeah, yeah, I remember a lot of people that I knew bought it just to play the trial, which was City Escape, I think, the one with when the end it's the the diesel uh, trailer trying to catch hit you. Um, so that was pretty impressive. Just that demo alone was pretty impressive for Dreamcast, and then this game was incredible like if you had online a lot which i didn't i played it a lot offline but i did play online Mm. think 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 the lord because it's like it's really it is really an online game like the name is not lying to you can you play it offline and have fun and like just have it playing while you're listening to something sure right and it worked like that a lot of people did that but Online was where you made the memories, in my opinion, with this game.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Um, my my you wanna
1: go. Mm-hmm. go ahead.
0: Oh, uh, I I was just gonna say my yeah when I first off I was trying to get it for free because uh you know like with um what what was it you needed to pay for the ISP but to play it online for free was initially. You know, no problem. It wasn't until, I think, version two that you had to pay. I could be wrong. Yeah. And so I was using, and I don't remember what they're called, but they've been around for years since. But the name itself, the name itself implied that you were getting free internet. and It was
1: like net zero.
0: Net zero. That's right. And then (laughs) later they were like, well, it's called net zero because we have zero zero downtime. It's always working. And it's like, that's not what zero meant. Zero meant no money. Um, yeah, but I would use net zero and then, uh, I, I think I needed to use like ISPs or like something. And so I was like stealing people's like phone numbers so that I could, uh, like log in for free. It was shady stuff. I'm sure it was breaking the law and, um, yeah,
1: they gave you like a certain amount of minutes with like an ad.
0: That's right. Yeah. 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 It was weird stuff, I but it, I was I so happy when PSO version two came out cause yeah, sure. I was paying, but like it worked all the time i didn't have to deal with all that that skeevy stuff um as far as playing itself i joined a group called uh, lpso legit fancy sir online which was like a no cheaters group um, this was when uh, cheating was real rampant you know there'd be people who were like hey do you want unlimited meseta there you go hey do you want all the nice items there you go
1: oh i remember this like yeah. I, I i used to have stories about like you just drop into a, like a random like games sometimes you're like well i'll just go into this one yeah and then there'd be like a player and they'd be like hey dude check this out and you just drop a bunch of items and you're like should i take the items yeah it's like they're just dropping rare items everywhere it was crazy
0: yeah and i i recall i mean the group itself was kind of strict not super strict but if they saw you like you know clearly hacking the game they would kick you out of the group or not play with you anymore um in my case we a friend of mine from grade school and i we were playing together And, uh, we would just, we, we knew people who would give us these things and we'd use them sparingly. So we wouldn't flaunt that we had money. We wouldn't flaunt that I had like a spread needle with like, like that. I had a spread needle that, uh, was electric. So it would paralyze and it probably had like a 25% success rate of paralyzing. But when you consider it goes one two three four five six seven eight nine. That's like nine chances of a 25%, you know, so it was like 100, basically. Um, Yeah. And that thing, I love it. I still have it, but there was a big crackdown going on, I remember accounts were being apparently you know like this is like early days on the internet so some one person goes oh Sega's cracking down and everyone panics and so we were like of we were like dude we got to delete this stuff that we were given so what we did was we did like one night where we just went out and used all our cool items that we were given and then we dropped them and logged off and lost them and uh, it wasn't like a huge loss and looking back you know it was probably we probably wouldn't have gotten in trouble but um it was just you know i it it was a fun. It was memory. a wild west. It was a wild west. Games. Yeah, yeah, for sure.
1: Like, I don't think people online know, but like in Fantasy Star Online, you would save your data offline, so you could hack the save file and then just put whatever you wanted. I guess I don't know how it worked. I was a I was a good boy when I played it. I didn't cheat or anything. I grinded. I had probably the worst weapons of all time, but like I enjoyed the grind of yeah. the game. Um. But uh, that's crazy that you were part of a guild. Like, I didn't even join a guild. I didn't have online that much. I only played online when I went to, like, my cousin's house who had more ISP. Or, like you said, you would cheat net zero. Yeah. Or I think there was another one they would give out in Target that had, like, a... Not Target, but a Kmart. I, they're not even popular anymore. But, like, they used to have, like, a blue, like, light like bulb. So, like, I would find all these ISPs that would just give free internet to use on my Dreamcast yep. so I could play online. I would do something yeah, like that. that yeah, was, yeah, it was yeah, naughty. Yeah, that was a strat. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of people right now listening to this. They grew up with a Dreamcast. They're like, yep, I know exactly what you guys did. I did the same thing. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's a lot of gamers out there. But, um,
0: you know, it's, so it's so interesting. So. The game itself is pretty small when you look at it. Mm-hmm. But because there were so many people there, it felt much larger. You know, it just and it was, it was strange because logging in, it was so comforting. Like I'm thinking back, like turning on, like, you know, you have a hard day at grade school, you come home, turn on your Dreamcast. And you press start, go through, you know, know, and it makes those sounds you log in and you're there. And it's just like, it's like, it's so warm and inviting, you know, it's like climbing into a, a comfy couch with a warm blanket. It's just like you're back in a very comfortable place that, that you, you know, you're gonna have some fun. (laughs) And And yeah,
1: my cousin, I remember my cousin, like his mom, I remember one time we like stayed up all night playing online and like, he woke up super late and he was older than me. So his mom's like, yeah, I think he was like 16, 17 at the time. And she's like, you haven't found a job giving him a bunch of uh, grief for that. And he's like, mom i was playing this game online like the content never ends i remember he thought like it was so large that you would never be able to end the game because it kind of felt that way leveling up to 100 yeah and later on they they expanded it to 200 it just felt like an impossible task to reach sometimes especially when you play when you started early on and started grinding right yeah and
0: how, how far did you make it
1: Oh, dude, not not that far. I think maybe 120, 125 or something. See, that's, you?
0: yeah, that's the thing. Like, I think I was like 103, 104 because I, I played as one character and then I switched. So I went to like level 36 and then I switched to another character and went up to level 102. But really, like I didn't pass that 100 mark until, you know, it took a while. Like when I started version two, I wasn't at 100. I was probably in the like the 60s or 70s. Yeah. So looking back, I really wish that's my one, uh, I just wish I, I went further, like to see that yellow number, which designated you're on version two, but to be such a, like a comparatively low number for what the limit was from one to two, um, you know,
1: And uh what what is your opinion on like um, them forcing us to grind it out and like do you think that, I I wish that like I still had how how long like you could like I wish there was a database Sega kept mm. of like how long you played so like you go in your old name or whatever and be like oh there's my character profile and that's how long I played they don't they, I mean this is the early days of online they didn't keep any of that like feel like right when the servers shut down Sega just like whoosh, killed everything. <laughs>
0: Yeah, pretty right? much. It'd be cool to see that data. I do wonder. I know the Sonic Adventure games tell you how many hours you played. And I mean, that's a lot for me. So I can... I wish um,
1: they would have... Uh, yeah. Maybe they put it on the off-life save. I I haven't really looked into it. But like, it is pretty... Because um, I, 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 sometimes I feel like I probably put more time in Fantasy Star Online than I put in any game in my life.
0: I can but imagine I that. Was, yeah, I mean, because it adds right? up. You know, you're like playing... Uh, even if you're just playing for like maybe... I mean, in my case, maybe two or three hours on, like, a Friday or Saturday night. And then throughout the week, I'd, like, try to squeeze in maybe, like, 30, 45 minutes. But it adds up. It definitely does. Um, One of
1: my fondest memories playing the game would be just, like, listening to the radio. I know there's no more radio. I guess now the equivalent would be, like, a podcast. Yeah. So, like, I would be listening to, like, Love Line (laughs) at night before I would go to bed because I didn't want to go to sleep. And then I would just be playing the game. Even if it's on mute, like... Just grinding, trying to get the new weapon, or trying to get something that I wanted to get. So, yeah, very addicting game, and it made me lose a lot of hours of sleep mm-hmm. that I probably sh- wish I had back. Yeah. Um, while, okay, so while it might seem ambitious for Sonic Team to create an online game like this, they did work their way up. Yuji Naka thought and toyed about the idea of making a game that takes advantage of the Dreamcast's network comp- compat- compatibilities especially after his team was done with sonic adventure in 1998 the first step into network play came with a simple game called choo-choo rocket Mm. which i think we all remember which was released in 1999 becoming the first online game for the console again sonic team was like i think there's like two like so there's sonic team in the the classic era that they did their own thing with sonic and they you know changed sega but I feel like there was something crazy going on with Sonic Team during the Dreamcast era. That like they had like this spark of creativity that wasn't Sonic, right? Like Sonic Adventure was its thing, but like Choo Choo Rocket, Fantasy Star Online, and even like um, what's the other game that they made? Um, uh, Samba de Amigo. Mm-hmm. They all feel like their own flavor. Like it's weird. Yeah, it's it's but, funny. Uh, I
0: love it's funny for a long time and probably still. Like I love Sonic Team. They're one of my favorite developers. But I feel like I love. They're non Sonic stuff. Like if oh, yeah. if you strip all of the Sonic stuff out, I would point to them and say, like, they're my favorite developer. When you pile on all the Sonic stuff, I'm like, eh, maybe not they're my fa- maybe they're not my favorite developer. It's it's weird. It's weird
1: because it's like Ristar, uh the um the the what was the fire one in the we we even did an episode. Oh, Burning it.
0: Rangers, Knights. Burning
1: Rangers, Knights, uh Choo Choo Rocket, all these games, they don't really feel like the samey like they feel very different from each yeah. other so it's very it's very interesting time in their history as a developer but uh, console games and most this is something we talked about the PC people but um mm-hmm. not that kind of PC um, console games and mostly japanese markets didn't have huge online games so yuji Naka decided he would look into western games for inspiration he turned to western pc games such as diablo which came out in 96 Ultima Online in 97 and EverQuest in 1999. Mm-hmm. The game that most spiked Naka's interest was Diablo due to the smooth graphics and action despite low system memory. Uh, Naka wanted to make a 3D game as smooth with smooth gameplay like Diablo. At the time, did you see the similarities of Fantasy Star Online to something like Diablo? And were you aware of any of these PC games at
0: the time? I think it, uh, gaming magazines pointed this out a lot. They would show screenshots for you know like people like me who weren't playing Diablo, but um, mm-hmm. just looking at the screens, you did see a similarity. However, it's one of those things where it's like you could tell me Diablo is the better game. You could tell me you know I'm wasting my time on Fantasy Star Online, but end of the day, the graphics of Fantasy Star Online and just the development team and the publisher and the platform itself just appeals to me more. You know, it's one of those um, things. Um, well, one
1: of these things I've noticed about these, like, Japanese... I mean, these uh, Western uh, online games is they're all kind of the same. Like, medieval, um, swords and sorcery, mm-hmm. um, sometimes grim and dark, like Diablo. Fantasy um, Star Online was, like, nothing like that. Like, yes, they took the system and what they created around it. But, like, all the layers inside were, like, very bright, colorful characters they looked all different it's like out of this world from space like the robots the the mages it's just it, it was unique enough for me it would be like yeah it's like diablo but anime that's what i would say but yeah i think it's a lot more than anime than that but go, yeah go on
0: no that was just and i, I think I've, I've probably made this uh point before with past games where it's like you could you could tell me it's a rip off. you could tell me it's um Whatever, but end of the day, I'm, I'm going to go for the Sega product. It's just, you know. Oh, that's true. And and to be honest, like the Fancy Star thing, sure, I wasn't like hardcore into the series. But when I got, and it's up there somewhere, but when I got the one of the strategy guides, what I loved was that it had a like little history section that went through each Fancy Star game, told you um, the story, they told you the connections between that and PSO. So they were like, oh, this is where the rag appeared for the first time things oh. like that. Um so it was very helpful for a newbie like me and because of that I'd be like, "Oh, I'm going to check out those uh, Genesis games." So, you know, it was a nice little introduction to the classics.
1: And uh did you ever play Diablo Ultima online or EverQuest?
0: I did not. No. <laughs> the the closest is Spiral Knights if you remember that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Um my brother was a Diablo fan, not so much the first one, more of the sequel mm-hmm. that came out too. Um, so he 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 kind of knew that it was similarities there and uh, he's uh, his friend used to play with me on, on Finish Star Online, so it's kind of interesting that like my brother was always more a PC guy. I've always been more of a console person, but uh yeah, um, I did notice that the similarities. I also had a friend that used to play EverQuest growing up. So I kind of understand the whole MMO and why uh, the Dreamcast one was more of an online RPG compared to an MMO. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, no, I know the, the, the similarities. Like I said, though, I think the art style and everything was so unique that to me, I could play a game like Diablo and then turn around and play something like Fantasy Star. And to me, it was, it felt like totally different. Yeah. So, yeah, especially since it was 3D. But yeah. One of the ideas that Yuji Naka threw... Out of the table was making Fantasy Star Online an MMO like EverQuest, but he decided not to because he uh, he didn't want him and his team to work for years constantly updating the game because they didn't think it would have that long of a lifespan. Yeah. Uh, even though he said this, they went on to obviously update it, which we'll talk about in, in uh, different versions of the game. And uh, but for now. Do you think Yuji Naka was wrong about not making Fantasy Star Online a online RPG instead of something going like full MMO?
0: So you're meaning like hundreds of people or, or dozens or of people? Or like
1: instead of, instead of you going into a lobby, it'd be like the game was a lobby, like the whole world's connected. Kind of like, uh, I guess WoW would be like you drop into a town and there's hundreds of people walking around. Instead, they kind of made like smaller lobbies with 16 mm. people or something.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I understand the it. I understand why they did it. It never bothered me. Um, I mean, I maybe kind of like Shenmue. The the magazines kind of probably promoted it more than what it actually was in the end. Like you can follow people home in Shenmue and look through their closets. Like obviously, I'm not, but. Um,
1: And I I think it's also like the idea of making a commitment that, oh, we are going to support this game for X amount of time. yeah yeah So so Um, instead they were like, this is like Diablo. We release it. Maybe you'll get an expansion.
0: Yeah, the one thing I found really interesting though was, you know, you mentioned how PSOs set up where you are in the lobby and then you go into the game itself and then you're all ready. Uh, The fact that, you know, despite that structure existing, there's very little hand-holding. Like, it's all up to you to do do this process and to talk to people and to say, like, hey, do you want to be on my team? All right, let's all go here. All right, are you guys ready? No, I'm going to the shop. Okay, all right, we're all in the transporter. Are you ready? No, wait, I'm coming. Oh, we're going to go without you. Ha ha. You know, like, um, yeah. I thought it was really cool that they put that much trust in the players to kind of get their game going on their own to the point where, you know, it's just like second nature. You're like... Talking to people, and you all know the drill, it's not any problem, and I I really like that. It's something I haven't really thought of, the fact that, you know, the game, despite being very structured and whittled down with these little teams, like, at the very least, they gave you a lot of freedom to uh, get yourself into the adventure, you know? Oh, yes. Yeah. Well,
1: yes. And I think, I don't think that we, I don't, well, I don't think the Dreamcast could have handled hundreds of people. No. I think there's a reason that they made it into blocks. So to me, going massive, I think that at the time, uh, it would have been pretty smart for Yuji Naka and the team to like make a commitment to updating the game, right? Like, oh, we'll do updates and have some sort of like, I don't know. Like if they were going to charge, they should have charged from the get-go and made it like a supported game. Like, oh, we'll fix the glitches. We'll fix the hackers. We'll come up with new ideas or whatever, After the game came out, but uh, instead they, I don't know, they kind of closed it off. I think they didn't know it was going to be popular and, or if Sega would even give them Mm. the money to support it long-term. So I understand it's hard, but it would have been cool to have a uh, Dreamcast game that was constantly updated. That would have been very futuristic, like maybe even too futuristic. I know it's common nowadays that we have Minecraft and uh, Fortnite that gets updated for decades, but yeah, that back then, this was not a thing. no. um so before we get into the gameplay races and classes of Fan Star Online, let's talk about the game's story. so <laughs> the game did have a story if you didn't I don't know if you remember this, yeah, uh faced with an in- immediate destruction of their homeworld, a large scale evacuation plan known as Pioneer Project has been established to find a new home planet. unmanned probes sent into deep space discover habitable planet dubbed Ragul. is that how you say it? And Raggle. its first interst- <laughs> yeah interstellar transport ship Pioneer One was sent to establish a, con- a colony. After confirming Ragol was suitable, the initial colonists began preparing the planet. The planet starting with construction of the central dome. Seven years later, Pioneer Two completed its long voyage with a main wave of refugees aboard, but. Just as they entered orbit and opened communications link with the central dome, an enormous explosion occurred. All contact with the men and women of Pioneer One was lost. Mm. And that's how you start off episode one. Um, So that's basically your story. I guess you're a hunter that has to do missions in this, I guess, story of a lost Pioneer One ship, right? Is that what you're trying to find in the first one?
0: Yeah, it, it's a little confusing if you just skip through it. But basically, you you know everything you see, like your ship and everything, has already been there, and you're the second ship. So yes, that's right. Yeah, and so that's where I believe Red Ring Rico comes into play. Mm-hmm. I'll be With honest though; like <laughs> we would kind of joke. So mm-hmm. when I was playing the game, uh, I'd stop and like read the little things to follow the story. And, like, people I'd play with and my friend, they'd, like, kind of give me shit for it. They'd be like, what are you doing? I'm reading. I'm, like, I'm following the story so I can figure out what's going on. They're like, come on, we're going. And I'm like, uh. Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah th- th- <laughs> I, I had the same thing.
1: I had the same thing with my friends. They always thought I was kind of, like, a nerd about that. Like, I always try to look up any little scrap of info. i would be, like, reading the weapons. Uh, but I, I don't know. Like, when I was younger, that's how I was. I remember, like, watching all the briefings of the Metal Gear Solid, which is out... <laughs> dozens of hours of just audio Mm -hmm. i don't know it's just something i used to do but yeah same thing here but then I'd,
0: i'd troll my friends and i'd be like i'd go to the other extreme then so i'd be like in the shop and i'm like guys come here and they're like what and i'm like come here and they're like where are you i'm in i'm back in the you know in the in the town in the shop come here and they're like what and i'm like look at this guy and i'm just like looking at the shopkeeper shopkeeper and they're like what about him i'm like look at him and they'd be like why'd you call us over here to look at him and i'm like have you ever just stopped and looked at this guy (laughs) no no no, everybody and then i'm like oh the principal's calling us us. so we go to the principal and they're like what do you want sir we'll be better in class we're sorry (laughs) we're sorry we acted up
1: it kind of did feel like that even though it wasn't a school but i don't know like it was what a hunter's guild or yeah but um... they
0: they called the guy the principal
1: (laughs) <laughs> yes, they did exactly. That's why I, when I was a kid, I was like a well, principal Are we all right.
0: Yeah, yeah. But yeah. so I mean, there obviously was a story like you mentioned, but like I think a lot of the Those fun people, in it too was like not so much role playing like people do now on like Twitter, but more just like goofing around and like making up things and being like, oh yeah, we're in high school and this is our principal, you know. <laughs> so
1: one of my uh, friends was uh, really liked playing the girl just so you get free weapons, which worked i guess i mean you have no dignity but it works i mean you get free weapons but uh yeah uh so let's talk about the art style of the game which is i think one of my favorite things about the game um one of the most dramatic things about fantasy star online is in my opinion was the characters each had its own unique looks some being cyborg others being more like elf creatures with big hats the new style used really unique color templates and the new anime style had its own vibe compared to the past fantasy star rpgs which sort of had like an anime style from the late 80s and 90s yeah sonic yeah so sonic team had at the time a young artist named satoshi sakai who basically now still works at fantasy star who started his career working on uh, games on sega saturn like iron storm and the panzer dragoon titles he then became an art director for Fantasy Star Online, and then kept working uh, on other Fantasy Star titles, and uh, became a, basically a producer slash director. And he's actually working on Fantasy Star Online two, and he kind of leads the team. He's the negotiator of their of the Fantasy Star team. Hmm. So, uh, and my, one of my things is I noticed is that like you could cut eras of Fantasy Star, so you'd be like the fantasy star art style from one through four. And then you'd be like fantasy star online. And then literally all the other games kind of like take their own art style. Like they're trying to like change it up. Right. So, what are your thoughts on how the game, Phantasy Star Online, was designed artistically? Mm-hmm. And what are your thoughts on the world, uh, how they changed the world from the original titles? Like, this felt like totally different yeah. from the original. Yeah, I,
0: I really love the design. Um, obviously, I like Star Wars. So I thought I really liked how it leaned more on the sci-fi side of things um I like that there weren't any weird like furry aliens so there weren't like wolf races you know uh things like that I think those probably came later in some of the other games um, universe yeah yeah and I just I like the 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 style the art style like you mentioned he had uh, uh Sakai had Panzer Dragoon experience and this definitely kind of had that Panzer Dragoon art style the the characters faces were a little more toned down not super anime um they would smile but they wouldn't you know do those crazy extreme anime smiles it was almost like studio ghibli you know and in in that it was it was softer more toned down but at the same time it had really bright colors um really great use of colors throughout um very colorful and just i love the the mix of like these nature settings with a little bit of technology, again going back to Star Wars, like it. Some of my favorite stuff is when you're like in these jungles or whatever, but you still see a little hint of being in an outer space environment. Um, as far as the originals' aesthetics, I don't like the ones. I don't like the fantasy stars that look like um, like medieval. I think that's a little. I don't know, like cliche, cliche. Uh, Three Yeah. Yeah. Um I also don't like some of the later games like I mentioned where they had like just full on like wolf and horse people or whatever. Um Mm -hmm. or when they would just be like, Oh, this guy's a cowboy and they would just like make him look exactly like a cowboy. Like I just thought that was a little lazy. I really like this sort more like jumpsuits with your um your symbol on you and there was a lot more uniformity, but still like the um the phonome, was that it? He kinda looked like a jester you know yeah, so yeah. i like those little it's touches like,
1: yeah and each one had their own unique i guess style colors they use mm-hmm. to like color them at least they look great on posters they had a lot of great art yeah come out beautiful of art star online yeah um maybe maybe there is a book with just the art but that that's something that needs to uh that i need to probably look into i but think but, that uh,
0: dreamcast art book that just came out might cover fantasy star online i'd have to double check but i'm pretty sure it does
1: um, yeah, and, um, so, yeah, I love the art style for this game. Like I said, even though it changed it from the original, I, I think the update gave it its own unique flavor, and I think this is probably the high. I I, I like the originals. I know there's gonna be some people who are gonna be like, the originals are the best because they're the originals, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I think Star Online kind of, like, has its own look, and it's probably the nicest look artistically for the franchise, in my opinion, because it has... It's not 90s and 80s anime. It's literally, it's in my opinion, its own thing. Like, you could make an anime based on this look, in my opinion, and it would stand out from any other anime, which I didn't feel like with Fantasy Star Online 2, the anime. Hmm. That's just my opinion mm-hmm. on that. But uh, the game allowed you to pick nine characters to start the game and modify it to make it your own look. Um, each of the characters had their own name, like Humar, Rackhast, and... Fomarl uh, for Marl, for Marl? Uh, names that had two uh, the first two letters uh, letters capitalized, which connected to the character's speciality. For example, uh, a ray, raycast was better with guns, but they had no techniques because they were robots. So if you used a robot character, they had no techniques. So some of their like basically, if they were elves, mostly they or look like elves. Yeah, they're new new humans. What they're called here. Um, they would be better with magic if they weren't. They were robots. They had no magic. They were better with guns. So it kind of made sense. Um, they also had a really good character creation system, which lets you make them fat, tall, short, uh, anime, anything, anything you wanted to make, most likely you can make. And that was one of the I think impressive parts of this. So, what what online character do you play as the most, and why? And what was your opinion on the character creation system?
0: Um, I thought it was really cool. I never really thought about how there were actually some missing combinations until later games where people were like, you can finally play as a -a Seal or whatever. I was like, yeah, I was like, oh, that's right. There never was a female elf robot chicken, you know, like something like that. Um, yeah, but I never understood, like I tried playing as the robots. I never understood them and I never understood people who played as them because I was like, you are shutting yourself off to so many abilities and oh, yeah. you have to rely solely on items like screw that. No way. I can't imagine not doing the heal and revive and the portal um, unless they could do the portal. Like how did they get back? No, they couldn't. Right. They'd have to use telepipes.
1: Yeah, most likely, Jeez. yeah. I never played as a robot, so I'm with you. The same thing, just, I needed to... T- I like magic. Yeah, uh, it's just for healing. It's
0: such a large part of the game that I feel like you're just removing all of that. Is I don't know if that's hard mode or simple mode, you know what I mean? Like you're cutting yourself off from having to do a lot more, but at the same time, it makes it difficult. Um, I played as a human hunter... Primarily. Yeah, a lot of people played that. Yeah, and then All I right. also played as a um uh female um man, what are they called? Uh uh the elf girls. With the magic? No, not with magic, the other one. Oh I'm kicking myself remember. because you know, like Who, who world,
1: Oh yeah, yeah and i i played i i just can't remember the character's name obviously the human hunter which everybody played i feel like everybody played it because playing with guns in this game was a little confusing sometimes and you had to get more used to it and like work on your spacing uh with enemies Mm -hmm. uh and you always have to know where you're at and like set the camera correctly when you're shooting yeah and uh i felt like it was a lot easier just like they're in front of you just smack them with the lightsaber, dude. <laughs> and then, and they, and it also had that like satisfying three button press rhythm. So Dun, yeah. like dun dun
0: dun dunk dun dunk dun dunk dunk dunk. Dun, dun.
1: Yeah. Dunk dun, dun. Yeah, yeah. So you just kept on like Oh, setting yourself up to do your little combo on the bad guys. I, I, I that was more enjoyable. And I played some um I tried to play some magic. I forgot who, but I it, I mostly tried to stick with like um lightning or whatever one of the powers i remember Mm. i didn't have that much fun with it so i quit pretty early but like i mostly just stayed with the human hunter like most people uh i tried shooting i tried most of them but like it just didn't click with me as much as uh the human hunter did it felt more satisfying
0: yeah it's it's like looking back to like traditional rpgs i always saw the magic people as just being the healer and so, mm. I felt like if I was playing that, people would just rely on me to constantly heal them and save their ass, and that's not what of I'm course. there for. So, I I didn't do that. But I mean, do you remember your characters' names,
1: dude? Oh, man, I do not remember it. And I, you know, I kind of wish I did. Did you remember your characters' names?
0: Uh, yeah. So my human hunter was named Focker, <laughs> named after. Um, uh falcon's japanese name from power stone i even kind of made him look like him with the yellow hair uh in the red suit and um for christmas i changed it to spiky green hair with a red suit and i kind of always left it as that uh as for the female like i worked incredibly hard on designing her to the point where i probably like made and deleted at least like six of them until wow. she, until she looked perfect. Because my friend was playing, too. And we were both like, we we should make the cutest girls we can. <laughs> so I'd make it and he'd be like, she's too short. She's too fat. Yeah. And then it was finally like, she's perfect. And I was like, good. And so that was Reiko. And I played as her quite a bit. Like, she was my fun one. Like, Fokker was my wow. one just to, like, level up and get shit done. But then if I wanted to actually go... And just goof around and have fun. I'd I'd play as Reiko. And she was the one we would like trick guys into thinking we're girls. So they give us items. Oh, yeah. So we'd be like, hi, my name's Reiko Teehee. I'm (laughs) new at playing this game. Me and my friend are here playing. Can you help us? Oh, yeah. You guys guys look cute. Thanks. Are you looking at our butts? (laughs) Haha. Just kidding. Hey, (laughs) do you have any items? We're not very good at this game and we need money. And the guy's like yeah here and we're like oh wow cute can we play with you and they're like yeah sure wow how old are you where do you live (laughs) you know
1: (laughs) yeah so you took advantage of uh, other horny teenagers yeah but you you, you as a horny teenager knew how to infiltrate the mind but then
0: we'd be like but we're not into you we're lesbians
1: (laughs) perfect And now you got free items.
0: Exactly. And then we'd put our characters next to each other and be like, we're making out now. Do you guys want to watch? And they're like, wow, look at that. Oh, my
1: God. (laughs) You know what? Oh, my God. I I don't want to talk too much about this. But one of the aspects that kind of creeped me out when I was – I didn't really – like, since it was so much smaller, I didn't really, like, fall too much into, like, having weird, like – online relationships in the game. I just played the game and moved on, right? Yeah, yeah. But when I played Final Star Online, I mean Universe when it was in, when it first came out, I played that one when it came out. I was pretty excited for that. Um I remember there was just like people that would just leave their character 24 hours a day holding hands in the lobby for no reason. It's like all right, I get it. You're flexing with everybody else that you got somebody else that's a fake female. I got it. I got right, it. Just right. flexing on us.
0: Mhm.
1: Um so, let's talk about the other aspect that I like about Phantasy Star Online and I think a lot of people remember that made this game unique was the mags, which are small robot-like pet creatures that you evolve by feeding items. Um, if you give them certain items, they have different evolutions. While later, Phantasy Star Online uh, episodes added more evolutions. The first game had three evolutions for it. Um, so, this would give... Every single time it would evolve, it would be more complex mm-hmm. to more options. So this would allow you to go online and see other people's mags and what they created. What was your opinion on this mag system? And what did you like experimenting with it, giving it different items? Or or were you lazy like <laughs> other people and just gave it whatever and then looked it up online?
0: You know, I I was a little lazy, but I also feel like for the amount of time I was playing the game... Like, the, okay, let's say you're playing up to a level 102. I don't think the mag grows with you that long. Like, you get to a certain point where mm-hmm. it's, like, you're level 30 or 40 and you're done with your mag. Like, it's good. Yeah. And so I just kind of, like, once I had a mag that was good, I just stuck with it. And then once I became so powerful, I just started finding, like, novelty ones. So I had the uh, uh, Kapu Kapu or the Choo oh, Choo, yeah. Choo from Choo Choo Rocket behind me. Mm-hmm. That was one of my favorites um was Opa Opa 1
1: I I I I want to say yes and then I think they also had a Dreamcast and Saturn, didn't they? Mm. Or is that a different episodes? I try to remember.
0: I can't recall, but you know, it was just one of those things where I didn't put too much thought into it because as I was playing it was like I'm doing fine. Like if if I'm doing If I'm doing it right, I guess I'm doing it right because I'm doing fine. I don't need to think about my mag all the time. But sometimes you'd, like, forget about it. And then it was like going to work without a belt on. And you're just like, oh, where's my mag? Oh, this is weird. (laughs) You know? Like, you notice when it's not there. Um, It is strange, though, like to imagine, like, PSO is not PSO until you have a weird little thing floating behind you. But that's how it was.
1: And I liked it, too. The, the, the first time, I, I didn't really notice that it had different evolutions because I would kind of feed it the same things. But then when I went online, I noticed that people had these weird design ones. And I was like, what? So I had to do more research and look more into it and talk to more people. And I heard, and then I started noticing there's how to do different versions of it. And it, that was really interesting. That kind of blew my mind because, like, I never – I guess there's mounts in other games, like medieval games. But this was pretty unique, and I thought it was kind of cemented Fantasy Star Online as its own little thing that they did. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it was very Sonic Team with like the Nightopia and the in the
0: absolutely uh, chaos, yeah.
1: So that made sense in that way for them. So it, 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 it's very weird. And um, what do you think about them not really using them for future games? Like Fantasy Star Universe didn't have them. And I don't think they ever added them.
0: I I don't recall. Um, I didn't play too much Fantasy Star Universe, but yeah, I, I from what I did play, it, it was a little something did feel missing. I think a lot of things felt missing from that game, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it was from 2006, correct?
1: Uh, fantasy, yeah, Universe, yeah,
0: and that was a bad year for Sonic Team. Let's be honest. Oh
1: yeah, yeah, very bad. Yeah. Um. So, Fantasy Star Online Episode 1 launched with four locations, which included a forest, caves, mines, and ruins, while Episode 2 added five more locations for the Dreamcast, including VR Spaceship, VR Temple, Seabed, Central Control Area, and Control Tower. Mm. What is your opinions of these stages, and which one of these do you remember the most? And I think if I started off for me, I think everybody's most... Popular one would probably be the forest because yeah. everybody starts a character off there, and every time you start with somebody new, you had to play the forest level, and then you had to go to the, which the forest led to like some tower with the the dragon boss that was literally on every single advertisement for this game. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's really iconic, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what what about you?
0: um Of course, the forest like being the green hill zone of uh, Fantasy Star Online. It's just like everyone's seen it so much. I really love the transition to when it's raining. And I also love how when you play episode two, they change it up and it's sunset. I think that looks so beautiful. And it's just such an easy way to change the location and make it feel completely fresh. Like for all the times I played episode one to go into episode two and replay those stages. Um, I think Forest is the only one really out of all of them that looks the most different in episode two with the little environmental change like that. Mm-hmm. Though I will say Ruins is probably very cool. Like, it's probably my, my favorite out of the four just because I didn't see it as often. And when I did see it, I just thought it was such a cool location. My least favorite, though, would probably be the uh, Mines.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, totally. I
0: hated playing the Mines. We were just like, let's get this over with. We were just like, blast through it. And I really wish I saw the versus mode locations more. They had amazing music. If you remember, there was one that was Mm -hmm. like a track that was just like a mashup of all these classic fantasy star tunes. And that was player versus player, but you could only play it online. So that's not something Mm -hmm. you ever experience uh, offline, except for I think you can play it offline on the GameCube if you have friends.
1: Maybe. Um, Yeah. So... Uh, while Fantasy Star Online also had shops, guilds, weapons, armor, shields, and tons of collectibles, one of the biggest things people remember about the game is playing online. Of course, the game's name. In the game, you would dial in, join lobbies, in that which the game called ships.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: On the Dreamcast, the game had a total of 32 ships. Uh, each ship was designed for a country. Uh, when the game was going, there were 12 sh- Japanese ships, 4 U.S. ships, Five European ships on the PC. They only had twelve ships compared to the Dreamcast's total of thirty-two. Mm-hmm. So the Dreamcast was way bigger than the PC version. Once you picked a ship to play on, which had its own name, you would join a block which had fifteen de- uh, designated lobbies. Uh, think of these as like a online chat room, but instead you could just see the characters walk around. Uh, here you could chat, communicate, and basically make teams to go on missions. Um you could also choose the difficulty levels of the missions and uh make it and then people you even set passwords for it and all that. I guess it's just like any other online game. Uh what's your experience with the PSO lobby back in the day and did you think this feature of using your character in a lobby ship instead of a text chat uh was better or do you think it gave it a unique flair?
0: I liked it. I thought it was a lot of fun. There was no fear of you like losing items or people attacking you. Um not like verbally, but like people, you know, like I don't know, blue screen of deathing you. Um I yeah. I recall that was the safe spot. It was when people were like, "Hey, let me lure you down to the city." You know that you were like, "Why? Wait, do you want to play with me so badly, do you want to rob me?" Um uh you know? lobby soccer too was a lot of fun. I remember wasting a lot of time with that. And
1: that was a ver- version two uh edition. Yeah. yeah and that was that was a, that was interesting, right? Like yeah. it was a little it was janky, but it was like, wow, they added this? What the hell? Like yeah, was that was crazy.
0: that was a lot of fun. I remember playing that quite a bit. And, you know, it was just it was what it was. There was a lot of fun uh chatting. I remember the um symbol chat where you could build your own Whoa pictures I, you think yeah I have,
1: I have i have a section for that but yeah for sure that was a big part of the online lobby chats right those things just popped up crazy
0: yeah and the better like you had to try work real hard to make some great looking ones so people would go oh wow that looks like a that looks like a dreamcast or oh that looks like boobs you know like <laughs>
1: yeah, oh the boob ones oh my god everybody had penis and boobs right
0: absolutely and there wasn't that much moderating was there i don't recall
1: Mm-mm. Not for the original. Like I said, Wild West. Yeah. People could destroy you and your character at any moment. Yeah. But,
0: I mean, you couldn't upload images. Um, You could only type, so you couldn't, like, uh, say things to people. I don't remember if swearing was, like, automatically filtered. I don't think it was. But you could, have
1: made a lot, you could have made, like, shapes in that little graphic text anyway to put curse words if you wanted to. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. But I just remember, like, just goofing around. A lot of goofing around in the lobbies. A lot of fun.
1: And uh, the way the game uh, had you become friends with each other, they used a guild card system. Uh, so basically the guild card would have your name, your ID, and three optional lines of text. Think of it as a business card. Uh, these guild cards were stored on your VMU save files. Exchanging cards allowed you to directly message each other, uh, even on this on this sh on any ship block or lobby. And you it would also let you find a player anywhere, basically. So, uh, so it's basically like becoming somebody's friend. So, mm-hmm. did you have any fra- funny phrases on your guild card <laughs> if you remember? And did you have that many guild cards in your list of people?
0: I had a decent amount. I feel like I deleted the file some time ago, which is kind of sad. But I was just clearing up space. That's um, what I
1: was just thinking. I'm like, how many guild cards do you think I have? I don't. I don't remember. And I was like, I deleted that save file from that long.
0: Yeah, game, so. I wish I didn't. Looking back, it would be fun to just to dig in and see who's in there. But it was probably like simple stuff. It would be like, oh, this one's from Lion. This one's from Memo. And uh, probably yeah. And then being in LPSO, one of the things was on your guild card you had to say you were in LPSO. So I think it was a lot of like advertising for that. Like join us, join LPSO. Yeah. I'm a member. So it was more like that. Nothing funny. Um, but uh, you know, it was, it was what it was. I thought it was cool. Yeah.
1: I yeah, I remember I would make little stupid phrases uh, on there. I don't remember any of them, but I remember they're stupid. I mean, I was young. Mm-hmm. So like, probably like booby expector, something stupid like that. Um, but yeah, these guild cards were basically friends. I think it's weird that like Sonic Team tried to take stuff like a friends list, and they're like, guild cards. What? It's like a business card. It's so Japanese, right? Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, they're like, they're like business cards. That's how we're going to do them. All <laughs> right. It's really just, you know, friends. But um, another unique feature that Sonic Team added to the game was Symbol Chat mm-hmm. uh, feature that allowed you to have saved pop-up uh, graphical text chat that you could make that like a little own editor it had its own little editor you could have different color options symbols even noises when the when the little text came up and uh basically this was a very popular thing for a lot of uh, online gamers to uh play with and people had their own unique ones that they would always pop up some of them were funny some of them were kind of dumb some of them were more rude yeah uh yeah, uh, this was made so people could talk to each other without knowing the same language. So they had like little faces on it or symbols. Yeah. You know, kind of like stop signs. Mm-hmm. Um, So it, this was because the game was worldwide and you would have to talk to Japanese players. So if you had faces and little symbols, it would be easier for each of you guys to know what you guys were saying. Mm-hmm. So what is your opinion on the PSO Symbol Chat? And did you sink a lot of hours into it? And what is your favorite, uh, I guess, chat? Yeah.
0: Created. <laughs> um, like I said, I did sink a lot of time into it. Uh, there were different ones. I'd make ones that looked like the Dreamcast itself um, with the little VMU icon that they had and then I'd make a little system out of uh, the square and the little shapes there. Um, I would make Sonic characters so I'd have one of Sonic I'd have one of SBO He was really easy to make and, um, and then I'd have ones of like little pictures of my character's face. My character had a uh, kind of one of those like ninja face covers and spiky hair. And so I would mm. use, you remember you could couple them with sound effects. So I would do like the yep. Yahoo. And so like, if we, if we cleared a room, I would do the little picture chat of uh, my character, like looking really happy with his hands in the air. And then there would be ones, if I was in trouble, I'd have a bunch of guns pointed at my head and it would make that grumbly sound and be like, row, 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 like help me.
1: yeah,
0: And then like, there would be ones uh, with the whistle. Remember the whistle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I'd do that and it would be like someone blowing a whistle and like putting their hand up like enough. You know, like if if people were yeah. just like being shits or they were like doing unsportsmanlike like stuff, you'd go go like and you'd blow the whistle on them and just be like, You're done <laughs> you know. Uh,
1: the only one I remember from back then would be like I had one that was like a Pinocchio 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 one, like it was like a Pinocchio face and it had like it was all red and it had a bunch of like angry things. Yeah. Because my cousin would, like, be, like, consistently lying when I would play with him on there. So, like, every time he would, like, t- he was all into chatting, right? So, he would be typing. He had the keyboard and everything. Yeah. So, he would be chatting away with people and having mid-conversations while we are doing runs. Lying. So, like, I had just a little Pinocchio face that I would come up every time he would lie with just one button. Just. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. But,
1: but Yeah. <laughs> So I had fun with the little symbol chat. It was really unique, mm-hmm. and it kind of reminds me of something that like Nintendo has been making for the Wii, where they're like trying to make, you know, like creative chat options. It kind of reminds me of that, but like before Nintendo was even into the internet, right? Sonic Team was there before them. Yeah. Um. Well, most of what we talked about was the original Phantom Star Online* release in 2001. Sonic Team would deliver fantasy star online version two which is now dubbed by many fans as episode two this version was released in 2001 on the sega Dreamcast. Uh, fr- people consider version two almost identical to the original which i don't really agree with i think they added enough stuff to make it worth it in my opinion yeah uh they added the ultimate difficulty mode which increased your level cap to 200 which <sighs> blew my mind at the time And then you got a new multiplayer-focused challenge mode and battle modes and some new single-player quests. They also added Go-Go Ball to online lobbies 11 through 15 Mm. and a dressing room mode, which allowed you to modify your character for uh, 10,000, was Mesita. Uh, This version also added five new areas that we talked about before, which uh, more than doubled the, the number of locations. One pet peeve older PSO players had with version 2 was the need to pay $5 a month fee for a a Hunter's license Mm -hmm. in North America and Japan. In North America, it was required to buy three-month blocks of service, while Europe had no monthly fee.
0: Yeah,
1: Uh, Did you remember Sega charging for version 2? Did you support the monthly bill? And were you outraged?
0: I wasn't so much outraged, it was just kind of annoying i'm like wait so you weren't charging me before but now you are like are you guys doing all right financially can you not support this game and what am i getting out of it like this was before digital games were really a thing this is before uh paying at least in my realm of paying for something that you don't physically get so i'm like i already Mm -hmm. paid for the game like it made no sense to me um but then again seganet was out and i was like do I need to? I don't recall you didn't have to pay for SegaNet and this, right?
1: No, SegaNet was basic. Well, base SegaNet was basically Sega's dial-up, so mm-hmm. you had to pay for SegaNet. I mean, you could have used AT&T right. or any any dial-up, right? So you, it's basically your access to the internet, and then this would have been on top of it. So I, I maybe they made bundles with Fantasy Star Online version. Yeah, 2, it came with SegaNet, but uh, I didn't have SegaNet for that long. I had it for one month, and they charged me long distance for connecting and my parents had to pay for
0: it. i think yeah i think i signed up for SegaNet just to get the free keyboard and then i canceled it as That's for what i got too, yeah, yeah as for this i um i did pay the monthly fee i remember now i did like three months and then i update it uh, uh renewed and i did it probably for another few months i didn't play version two for that long maybe like five or six months um but uh, you know, it was one of those things where, like, when my friends stopped playing it, I stopped playing it, and then college was not really coming up. But I like moved, so I was like, it was a little different. I don't know. Um,
1: my thing, my thing was like, my house only had one phone when I was playing this game, mm-hmm. so like, I couldn't be on taking up the phone line because not everybody had. To, I mean, this is before cell phones were popular. Yeah, and so like now I had to pay online. That I might not be able to play and take full advantage of. So it felt like if I had a dedicated broadband line during this time, like, oh, five bucks a month, I I could make it work. But like my cousin felt so ripped off when he heard about this. He was so angry. Yeah. He was like, well, I already paid for one version. Why am I paying for the second version and then paying you monthly for it?
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. So it was a little hard for some people to swallow, especially on the early days of gaming. But it wasn't all bad. Sega and Sonic Team did give out free content, and that's some of the stuff we're going to talk about right now. Because the Dreamcast version actually had online uh, quests. Basically, you would go online, like Planet Web, and you could download missions directly to your VMU. Mm -hmm. Mostly all the quests came in multiple parts, where it was like part one, part two, part three. Uh, there were was, was some that were sponsored, like the Famitsu Cup Quest, and some that were holiday ones, like the Easter Quest. Um, there's, a, there's a list that uh, you could find online, and you can still download these if you want to. Mm-hmm. If, you have, if you have the GameCube version or whatever, uh, they're already on there, so you don't have to worry about that. Uh, when you played these games, did you know about these online downloadable quests? And uh, did you play them, and what do you think of them, and the aspect of downloadable content being free on Dreamcast?
0: Yeah, I always, I loved when they did the DLC. I mean, it wasn't called DLC at the time, it was just like, oh, this is like additional stuff I can download and play. Um, Quest,
1: they would just call it Monday. Yeah,
0: yeah, and so I did the Easter one. Um, I believe I tried the Famitsu Cup, if that was possible, in the U.S., and there was one that was like a Burning Rangers quest. I don't know where that was.
1: And, and then there was like, I think, I'm not sure if this is a downloadable or it was just an extra mission. Mm-hmm. But there was one that was like literally the whole mission was just a callback to the first Fantasy Star game where they had like a cookie shop or something under one of the dungeons. Yeah, so I heard about that. Inter- yeah, so there was interesting stuff like that. Um, as far as, uh, when did you know about these and how did you find out that there was downloadable quests? That's always my... Like, I'm always wondering how people figured this out, because there was no, like, big old banner when you logged in. Free quests!
0: Right, I'm pretty sure I learned through a friend of mine, because he was more tapped into the whole Japan side of things. So he was like, oh, they have quests, we should find out how to play them. And uh, he was the one that knew more about, like, Burning Rangers, things like that, so he would clue me in to, like, what the connection was. Or, oh, this one's a big callback to the original. Um, And I, I, I don't remember, could you play them with friends, or it was solo, right?
1: Some of them were solo and some of them were with friends, so it right. really
0: Yeah, so I remember there would... Sometimes, too, it was like people you'd play with and they're like, hey, I can't play right now. I'm going to do a quest on my own. And you're like, oh, what? what's this quest? Tell me about it. Oh, you can get a frying pan. You know? And so I was like, oh, I want to do that. Um, or you can yeah. get, like, burning... I remember, like, there was, like, burning fists. Remember that? It was just, like... Yeah. There was no item. It was just, like, your your hands would burn. Yeah. Um, so you know, it was it was cool little things like that. I thought they were fun. I actually, that's my one reason I want to go back and play the game right now offline um, is just to experience some of these quests for the first time. I think that would be fun.
1: Yeah, uh, I found this out when I was playing. Like, there's I just got really obsessed with the Dreamcast online and stuff. So like, I would go online and I would like when I found out that you could download saves directly at any state, like oh, I want to be at this level. Mm-hmm. All right. I go to the search for the save that, that changed my mind on the dreamcast and like, just opened up the door for me to do a bunch of crazy things that I like, Oh, I want to do this. Oh. And then I found out about the songs for uh de Amigo* in the Sonic adventure DLC. And then this DLC. So that was crazy to me. That blew my mind as a kid. I was like, well, you get free content that's uh i'm all i'm there obviously for free content (laughs) um sadly the sega dreamcast would announce that it was no longer competing in the console market so sega decided to port fantasy star online on the gamecube according to sonic team it was because it was this it was similar architecture to the dreamcast and it had an online modem that was sold separately not like the dreamcast Mm mm-hmm According to reports, Sonic Team put together a PSO demo for GameCube within a month. This new version of PSO Episode 1 and 2 would bring all the previous content on the Dreamcast, including the DLC and that split-screen mode, updated graphics, and better interfaces. Yuji Naka went on record calling this the true sequel to the first game. Mm. The game uh, awarded PSO players uh, stuff like GPA versions of Puyo Pop and Nights into Dreams if you connected your GBA to your Dreamcast. Remember that link cable that yeah. the GBA had that nobody used? Yeah. Um, the GameCube version of 1 and 2 was so popular it sold over 100,000 units in one month in Japan when it came out in October. Just like version 2, 1 and 2 required a monthly subscription. Then Sonic Team would release a plus version with more content on GameCube. The game was the primary reason people used the GameCube broadband, dial-up, and even keyboard controller. Because like that was the only game you could really play online on the GameCube, let's be honest. Yeah. Uh, what's your opinion on Sonic Team being more ahead of the curve when it comes to online than Nintendo? And did you ever play the game on GameCube? And what are your opinions on the split-screen mode and the other, I guess, improvements of it.
0: I mean, Sega and Sonic Team have always been ahead of the curve, I think, when it comes to uh, hardware. Well, I guess uh, Sega in general, because, I mean, I remember when Dreamcast came out, of course, the online was just amazing. And then when uh, PS2 and, and GameCube and Xbox were coming out, I just assumed they would be just as uh, hardcore into making a ton of online games And it wasn't until later that I was like, I owned these consoles and I was like, should I connect to the internet? Like, what is there to play? And I'd look into it and I'm like, there are only Sega games and they're ports of games I already played. Or there's like one game, you know, that's really worth playing. It's just, it's really pathetic to be quite honest. Like, it was like, what, one Final Fantasy game on the PlayStation 2 was really the only thing worth playing and even then it wasn't that great um
1: yeah well i mean some people would say it's a great game i haven't played the fantasy i mean final fantasy mmo game but yeah no i agree with you 100 like yeah it's not it's not surprising to me that sega was trying to push online on nintendo and nintendo didn't budge yeah um it's also the split screen is so cool in my opinion but like i remember playing it years ago i remember being like okay i'm gonna play it offline with my brother and we'll play split screen there was something that the game did—I forgot what—that really made me mad. Where like I think you can't have two separate files. The way it saves the second player is weird. I forgot what it was that really turned me off on it. And besides that, though, I really like the game. It's just, it literally is the Dreamcast version, just updated, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's. But I just—I never played it online. I never played the. I never paid for the online fee. I was never. I kind of took a break. With Dreamcast, like when it when it died, I didn't just go and buy another console. Yeah, I kind of stayed playing Dreamcast stuff and like same here going online, looking at homebrew, looking up uh, people's opinions, getting more into the Sega community mm-hmm. instead of just going straight into buying a GameCube. I didn't do that, hmm. so um, it's cool that Nintendo fans got this, and I hope a lot. And I know a lot of people that became Fantasy Star fans because of the GameCube version, so that's a good thing. Absolutely. Uh, in 2003, Sega announced Fantasy Star Online Episode 3 Card Revolution. To everyone's surprise, this was a turn-based strategy card game. According to Sonic Team, after years of developing Fantasy Star Online, they thought players wanted a break from the formula, so they tried to excite new players with this new change. Hmm. If you played Episode 3, you'd be able to chat with Episode 1 and 2 online players, but not join their game, because <laughs> you don't have the game, right? It's technically a different game. Yeah. But- So it is weird. I didn't know that because I didn't play episode three that much. This is again, when I kind of gave up on the whole buying consoles and stuff. Right. But I I knew it was a card game, but I did not know it had online features where you could chat with the (laughs) GameCube versions of the old, the other game. Yeah. So to me, that's a little weird and that's pretty cool. Uh, what is your opinion do you remember uh, episode 2 3 and what was your reactions did you play it or do you think this was an overall mistake for the series i
0: didn't play it but i remember reading about it and i was like what the hell is going on like i was a little more savvy about video games by that point and i was noticing a trend where like you'd have an ongoing series and all of a sudden they were like it's card based like i think uh kingdom hearts might have done that for one of their games or like they drastically changed up how you would play and i'm just like what is going on like this must be a trend in japan it was just the strangest thing and the fact that you can chat with people is kind of pathetic like (laughs) imagine imagine larping in the woods and then one guy walks up carrying his magic cards and he's like hey i'm into what you're doing and i'm basically doing what you're doing but i can't play i can talk to you though and it's like go away what are you doing (laughs) You're the card guy. We're LARPing. Go away. Like, I thought we yeah. were pathetic, and you're the guy coming out here with Magic Carts in the middle of the woods just to talk with us? Go away. What are we talking about? You're not going to play with us? What a weird... Did you... It's weird.
1: Did you play the game?
0: What? LARPing or Magic Carts? No.
1: <laughs> uh, episode 3.
0: No, I didn't. I didn't. Um, but from what I read about it, I just I didn't like the sound of it. Um, I should go back and check my library of games, though, because I, I swear I own... I own one of the. I might own the Xbox one. I don't think I own the GameCube one, but I've been always meaning to get it. And to be honest, I kind of just want to buy up all the PSOs uh, for different systems just to see what they're like.
1: Yeah, and um, yeah. uh, As for the card game, I think it's a mistake making it its own game. Uh, I think it should have maybe like been a pack member when they did plus. Maybe they should have done like three. Maybe add. One new map mm-hmm. for, you know, the MMO or the online RPG. Put episode one and two so it's, like, one consecutive game. And episode three is just an online mode, kind of like how they added soccer. Yeah. So if you're in a lobby, you could go into, like, a card deck and you could play cards. So it's, like, a mode within the online mode. That mm-hmm. would have been sick. But, like, making it its own thing wasn't a great idea. I Because I, nobody really bought this. Like, I don't remember anybody, like getting super excited for episode three, the card game. Like I remember everybody hating it. That's what I remember. So, um, but Sega would try to bring back fantasy star online. And this is the last time Sega tried to bring back fantasy star online was with episode four on PC in 2004 when they released fantasy star online blue burst, which came out in Japan on July 15th, 2004. Mm -hmm. The PC included everything from episode one and two, Mm -hmm. and a ton of new content, including system upgrades and allowing players to talk via any server this time. Um, The game also uh, was online-only, forcing users to save their files on the Sega server to prevent cheating. The game entered beta in North America in May 2005 and was fully released in June. Phantasy Star Online Blue Blue Burst would include an online fee, and Episode 4 added two new areas like the crater and the subterranean desert. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you remember this game being released on PC? And what is your opinion on, say, giving Fantasy Star Online one last go in the mid-2000s?
0: I mean, at this point, I was in school working on a Mac, so I didn't have access to this. Um, it wasn't until several years later that I tried to. And it was just such a headache. They're like, "Oh, you're you're on Windows uh, ten or whatever." They're like, "Sorry, it's gonna take like jumping through several hoops. Plus, you have, it has to be free, so you have to crack it." It was just such a headache. Um, yeah, I just I kind of gave up. But I loved looking at the pictures, and it was almost like looking at unreleased content. You know what I mean? Like the subterranean desert and the crater. I was like, "Wow, I'd love to play this, but I know I never ever will." <laughs> so.
1: Oh, the, i mean okay so i played the beta mm-hmm. like th- this is really when i started getting really crazy into like the sega community at the time and i met a lot of people and that's how we i guess created the website that we have now but like i joined the the beta i remember being super excited because everybody in the sega community at the time was basically was like on a spur to like uh, support this game because mm-hmm. they all wanted the old Fantasy Star Online, and they wanted this to be on the consoles. And so, one of the things was you have to support the game, right? Right. So I, I did the beta. I paid for it. I played a lot of time into it. I had a lot of fun, and but the new levels, in my opinion, weren't as great as the Sonic Team originals. They're really like just desert levels. Mm-hmm. So like, uh, I didn't just, I didn't feel like. It wasn't as close down. You could tell they were larger. Right. Um. I it just didn't feel the same. So, I, it, nothing to hate the game. I I spend most of my time playing episode two maps because, for some reason, everybody would raid those. Like they would have like oh everybody would log in and then everybody would do the same mission over and over to get the most XP. I'm I'm sure it's because everybody everybody already had it mathematically down. Right. So this is the best sequence of boss to play as to level up. Right. Yeah, so that's my experience with it. I do know that Ruby Eclipse, aka Aaron Weber, who does Sonic, got his job through this game first. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we get good things out of things like this, right?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, if it gives us Aaron Weber, it's probably game of the decade. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: one of the okay, so one of the issues with uh, these online games is that they ha- once they no longer become viable to support the online games die so now we have a kill list of oh no right here of sega killing pso and this kind of became a meme i remember being in forums where when universe was coming out people were like how long will it take for sega to kill this game um north american dreamcast died on september 30th 2003 north american and japanese gamecube died on march 30th 2007 Japanese Xbox servers died January 31st, 2007, followed by April 30th, 2007 in North America. Mm. And the uh, Blue Burst servers died in January 12th, 2008. Wow. So it's been since 2008 since we've had an official Fantasy Star original server. While, uh, uh, while we do have fan servers, which, which we'll talk about next... It's been over a decade since the uh, the official Fantasy Star Online servers have been shut down. What are your thoughts on that?
0: It seems like forever ago. And, it does.
1: Uh, right? I thought, like, 2008? I'm like, I wait, mean, 2008? <laughs> it does
0: seem like forever ago, but at the same time, the fact that we're talking about something that's, like, 11 years ago and we're talking about a game that originated on the Dreamcast and Dreamcast just turned 20, like, it doesn't yeah. seem that long ago. Like, I'm actually kind of surprised that a game... That really plays like a Dreamcast game was still being played as early, as late as 2008. Like that's kind of surprising. Um, still, you know, Sega Bits is uh, younger than that, so it does seem still seem a while ago. But I can see how that was kind of the uh, the early days, um, and that's where you were coming from in all that uh, Sega fandom stuff. Whereas, whereas I was just getting back into the games, I was um, uh, really reconnecting with like retro games. So that's where I was coming on, coming from in that time. So it's, it's interesting. We were both Sega fans, but doing very different things. And I see ads now for like Warcraft classic. And I have to wonder, like, do you think Sega could do a PSO classic?
1: And well, actually, that's how we're gonna end the episode. So whoa. let's not talk about the cl- whoa, no, whoa, whoa! He knows the future. I know. No, uh, we can't talk about a big podcast about Fantasy Star Online without talking about private servers. Mm. And Fantasy Star Online had a very dedicated uh, fan base that stayed with it after the servers were shut down. Uh, this created private servers. The first one I remember joining was Stick Sh- Sh- Hack. PSO uh, sh no sca shit hack h a c k yeah shit hack i remember this guy being so hated by sega that when venus star blueburst was up if you said his name they would ban you, wow. you know, from venus star online blueburst so i didn't know this i remember one of my friends on the game was like don't ever say the private server this is the first time i ever heard about private servers but he never supported uh PSOBB servers and int- private servers until the game was dead. Mm. So he did have some ethics. Yeah. Now there's another one called Silveriant private server and another one called uh uh uh, a uh private server. Mm-hmm. So there's more than one private server. Each one has their own drop rates. Some of them will only work on PSOBB. Uh some of them work on the Dreamcast GameCube uh OGPC, PSOBB versions of the game. Uh-huh. So there's many options for fans to go and still play Final Star Online if they wanted to. But have you played on a private server? And what are your thoughts on online fans keeping these games online?
0: I have not played on a private server. I always wanted to. But then when I start reading about how to even get the game up and running, it just, it tires me. And I'll start the process. And then I'm like, what the hell do I have to do? What am I doing? How do I do? Oh, I don't want to figure this out. Like, it's installing, like, shit to my my PC. And what am I, you know, it's just, to be honest, it's a big headache. Like, I just want it to work. Like it did on PSO on the Dreamcast. Pop my disc in, log in, done. Um,
1: the Dreamcast one was kind of hard. Like I couldn't get it on because you needed to yeah, do some weird like it's ping a server, make a fake guild card or something.
0: Mm. Yeah, you see, it's just it's it's such a hassle. What, what what's your experience?
1: Well, okay, so if it wasn't on PC and it was easy to get on PC on like they did a Fantasy Star Blue Burst one. And that was really easy to do, so that's why I played on the hack server. I, I tried to get it on Dreamcast because somebody on the Sega forums had a little group on there, and they wanted people to play it on Dreamcast. And I was like, oh, I want to play it on Dreamcast again. So after complica- like getting a ISP right, mm-hmm. which took forever, I had to t- my game, the version I had, I bought it on eBay, brand new, and I think if you bought it, br- you could only have brand new keys. To ping a server or something, but my key was taken—the one I bought on eBay—it hmm. was such a hassle. So I just stuck with the. I don't know if they fixed that. If They probably already have a hack because you know the pie and all this other crap. I just stuck with the PC version. I had fun playing Finnish Star Blue Burst on there. The servers were fine. I I uh, played with people I knew. I had fun. So if you want to play the game, I suggest trying a private server with friends, and you know it's you could download pso bb for free on these private servers right already all set up so i would you know yeah i recommend that for sure on pc no mac <laughs> i'm not saying there's anything wrong with mac just doesn't support mac yeah it is what uh, it is uh much uh, much how sonic team changed the original fantasy star games with fantasy star online it seemed that sonic team would try to re reformulate the games with new ideas and art styles Sega would go on to follow the game up with such titles as Fantasy Star Universe, Fantasy Star Portable, Fantasy Star Zero, Fantasy Star Nova, Fantasy Star Online 2. Each one giving us their own art style and gameplay ideas based on PSO. Mm. Which of these games have you played and which do you think closely closely resembles PSO the most?
0: I have played to go through the list Fantasy Star Universe. Um that's it, <laughs> but <laughs> I I have from what I've seen gameplay wise, like Fantasy Star Zero looks very close to PSO. Um, yeah, and they did I
1: add like weird characters. It did like,
0: like the cowboy and stuff. Um,
1: and I think they had the furry pe- people. Too. Yeah, but it was a
0: prequel, right? It took place before Fantasy <laughs> Star, hence the zero. Um, and it
1: bombed massively. By the way, it was weird. Yeah,
0: I always wanted to try that one though. Um, Fantasy Star Online Two, I. I swear I've played it. I don't know when or where, but it must have been like a, downloading the Japanese one. But I was just confused, lost, and I, I did not get far at all. Um,
1: and they, uh, yeah, but that that one. I mean, I guess I would say that one, that one zero. The way you said it, the portable ones mm-hmm. kind of have ideas based on it, but like they all change the art style. Yeah. Like none of them have the same art style. It's so weird. Like, what? Why do you think Sonic Team? Never came back to these old, old art style, even though the art director runs the company.
0: I have no idea, and I think it's a shame because I think that would bring a lot of people back on. We we talk about this too with the um, Shining Force games; like it's just such a pretty, unique, iconic art style and obviously you know like that artist even if he's not working on it anymore you can emulate it we've seen that perfectly with uh, Sonic Mania it's an art style that we haven't seen for years in the Sonic series and it's back both in the uh, cinematics and in the pixel art style it's it's I mean it is uh, something that people really latch on to same with Shenmue you know like i Shenmue 3 actually does look a lot like the originals, you know, despite being higher polygons and everything. Like, I think they really did nail the look of the characters and what made it, uh, you know, visually appealing to a lot of people. So I think it's just too late now for PSO. I think they're so deep into PSO 2 that the only way to do it is if, if PSO 2 does really well in the West and they start talking about PSO three. They might do a throwback and have it more be in line with PSO. I don't know. Um, I
1: remember uh, PSO two. Like thinking it was because they've had like five episodes in PSO two. I remember one of them was just they literally just brought back areas from the from Fantasy Star Online one. I remember everybody posting them and going, "Yep, this game is great now." It's like, <laughs> "Yep, it's all you need." Sometimes with the old fans, right? Just give them the forest. And then right when they get the forest, they're like, Yep, yeah, that's cool. I'm good. All right. Uh, everything I said about this game, never mind.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, so to me, so here, here here's uh, here's the thing. This is what you were talking about. Uh, since Fantasy Star Online 2 is finally coming west, don't you think it would be easy to make a new version of the original Fantasy Star Online for current systems like the Nintendo Switch? Maybe adding some episode 5 or whatever and maybe fixing some controllers to make it more modern. Do you think there's a market for a kind of a online multiplayer RPG dungeon crawler that doesn't have an online service fee?
0: Yeah, I think there is a market for PSO classic, like something like that. I just think the question is like, what would be the right platform who has the resources to handle it? But then you start looking at how it would be stepping on the toes of PSO too. Like, Honestly, I think PC would be the best choice, but then why not just focus on PSO2 then? Um, Switch would be cool, like, as a Sega Ages title, but I think it's just too too big. Large. Too large, yeah. It's just too big a game for Sega Ages. Um,
1: yeah, I've noticed that M2 tries to, like, kind of, like, not do online stuff like it's hard. They're like, oh, okay, well, leaderboards. Yeah, yeah
0: exactly. So it's... It's a tricky thing. Um, I, I I do think Sega should think about it and look into it. I don't know how uh, Warcraft Classic is doing financially, but... It's you know, doing really well for what it is. It mean. is? Okay. Well, then yeah. I could... I mean, I think the, it's money left on the table. I think they could definitely do something with this. It's just a question of would this be something you do after PSO2 or is it something you fold into a PSO3 where you kind of satisfy both people? Um, We didn't talk about this so much, but a big thing in the marketing for PSO1 was that you were going to play with um, people from all over the world. Remember the ad said, now you can, now you can cry help like a little girl in like, five different languages or (laughs) something like that yeah and it was very pushing that worldwide release and i remember the rollout we would go on and play and we were like wow japanese people cool i've never talked to one before and they were like yeah and then in a few months we're gonna see some europeans wow germans and and you know people from denmark like this will be wild and now it's like when pso2 was announced i was like Cool. It's not on home console, which was the big driving force of PSO one, and it's not worldwide. Like you're you stripping PSO of the two defining characteristics of that drove oh, yeah. them to exist. Like the, so much of the game was about the um, simple chat, the the pic, picture chat, um, finding ways for people to interact from different countries together and play. And I feel like PSO2 just became way too Japanese and way too PC, which just moved it away. And hopefully Coming West moves it back into the realm of um, what made the original PSO popular. That just the problem is, will we be playing with Japanese players? I don't know. I don't think so.
1: I don't think so either. A- I think it's going to be the Microsoft server. Yeah. and Like Xbox. And we've sure.
0: heard no word about the European release and I think a lot of that falls on Sega Europe and Xbox Europe or you know, whatever they call it. So I don't know what they would call yeah, it. Yeah, right? so it's it's gonna be interesting. Um I'll be there to play it, probably on the PC end. I don't think I'm getting an Xbox. But um you know they actually
1: have a close okay, so like yesterday or two days ago they launched a Fantasy Star Online two close beta sign up mm-hmm. but you have to have an Xbox One to uh, play the closed beta for what I read. Interesting. Uh, I, I signed up. I suggest you sign up too. Um, uh, maybe you get it and I don't get it and I could play it on some other app. My brother has an Xbox One. I could borrow from him. Mm-hmm. But I, 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 I signed up for it. I think everybody that's watching this podcast should sign up for it. Uh, if you get it, at least you have a key. Maybe... Think about buying an Xbox One. You know what would be dumb? If they just sell a bunch of Xbox Ones because of Fenistar Star Online 2. Um,
0: yeah, I mean, weird. once the uh, Xbox, the new Xbox comes out, maybe the one will drop in price or something.
1: Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, yeah. And, um, um, I would love to see, uh, obviously, a version. Now that we have stuff like uh, cross-platform play now, mm-hmm. where PS4 could play with Xbox, we could play with uh, Switch. I think the true vision the Sonic team wanted to have could be complete. Like can you imagine releasing a classic version on PS4, PC, um Switch, Xbox 1 and they all play together? Mm-hmm. That'd be that'd be insane. It's just that that'd be crazy. Cause like a little game like Rocket League that costs $30 or online yeah. already has these features and it's updated all the time. Like it shouldn't be updated all the time, but you could have a like a Diablo game now and not cost you a leg and an arm and a leg like it did in the early two thousands. So absolutely, I hope it's something Sega is looking into. That would be awesome. And um, let's end the episode like we end every episode by talking about our patreons' memories. Ooh. Go on, Barry. All right.
0: Well, we've got a ton of them. No, we've got one for uh, one for this week. So it's our good friend Bad Sonic, spelling Sonic with a five, as you do. So he said regarding PSO, PSO was my first online hub, MMO, and I love the style and the gameplay. Also the option to play with four of my dudes. The story mode was great. I'm really looking forward to PSO2 release in the West. I hope the game is also playable in the EU, and I do too, and I'm looking forward to... Honestly, I'm really looking forward to PSO2. Um, because I feel like I'm gonna—I mean, I don't know how deep I'll get into it, but I really want to play with like all these people I've met online, like people like you and people in the community, and just like you know, like I'm an adult now. It's different. It's—it's it's going to be interesting. It, yeah, it is different. You know,
1: it'd be—it'd be nice. I want—I—I really excited to see like what they've improved for like clans and chatting and items. What items didn't make it? What items did make it? Because, like, in Fantasy Star Online 2, they're trying to say, like, everything's coming. Uh, I doubt it. We'll see.
0: (laughs) Right, right.
1: Okay. um, Anything you want to add about Fantasy Star Online before we close the book?
0: Uh, No, I mean, it's just, it's a fantastic game. I have so many memories about it. I think this is the first time, really, on Sega Talk that a lot of what we talked about comes from our personal experiences and... Not so much the gameplay as the it is like the community and just bringing yourself into the game. Um, I just think that says so much about what made the original game special and why it's so hard to replicate now, even with these new private servers and everything. Like, this is really a game that existed for a time and a place and... I think our memories are what really make it so special now, and I don't think it ever will ever be replicated, but I'm so thankful that I was there to experience it when I did.
1: I have to agree, I think a lot of the aspects behind it were created because of the Dreamcast. Of, even if you bring a classic, it would be nice to like relive the memories, but some of those memories were there because it was created for the dream game. Yeah, so it's kind of hard sometimes mm-hmm. but yeah I agree and I want to thank everybody for watching if you want to support the show check us out on patreon.com slash segabits see you next time in 2020
0: yeah see you then Uh-oh.